This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. Let's just try that again with the right microphone on. Friday, Roshan, Friday. I'm sorry about that, Rich. I pressed the wrong mic. I was wondering what was going on. I'll do that again. Good afternoon, everybody. It is uh, Friday, the 8th of September, of course. My name is Rich Bradbury, 12.06 here in the studio. My name is Rich Bradbury, and I'm in the studio with... The very callous Russian Kennison. It's one of those things, right? It's Friday. Can can we blame Friday? We can can blame Friday. Now, um, if you want to get in touch with the show this afternoon or any time between now and 2 o'clock, get us on our U-Mobile WhatsApp number 018-789-8. You can get us on X at BFM Radio. The last couple of days we were complaining about the weather. Uh, today, of course, it's we a little bit complaining. <laughs> yes, we do. Bit, hey, <laughs> you've completely thrown me for a loop now, and that's that's my Friday done. I think I'm just going to wrap up and leave the studio. I don't know what I've done, man. But anyway, um, so let's talk about. Um, the spectrum from intent to action, how it varies uh, by consumer segments, mm. uh, indicating that sustainability goals are better achieved through unlocking consumers' value drivers and uh, differentiated products. Uh, and according to the Nielsen IQ uh, Thought Leadership Report entitled Green Divide. So this report dives deep into the spectrum of the consumer landscape and how they think and act differently when it comes to sustainability and purchasing decisions. Yeah, because ultimately it's critical for businesses to understand how consumers are evolving on their journey of uh, sustainable consumption. You know how much of how much demand is it for there? Yeah. How much does it play into your marketing and your future of your business? You know, do they practice what they preach? And what are the motivations? Maybe even the barriers or the triggers for mm, change. Mm. These are some things that are going to be very uh, of great interest to businesses as they look at how to tap into the different markets. Um, and Ultimately, how can we tap into the unique motivators and influence across all these diverse groups to unlock the required behavioral change uh, to sell them more on their sustainability journey, right? That's essentially what it is. Th- that's essentially what we're trying to do. Now, um, if you have any, if you do have any thoughts, uh, you can get us, as I mentioned earlier on, on our U-Mobile WhatsApp number at 018-789-8899. Get us on X at BFM Radio. Okay, to help make sense of this report and how businesses can leverage the embedded nuggets of insights is Louise Hawley, the Managing Director for Nielsen IQ, Singapore, Thailand, Malaysia and Japan. If all goes well, well, we should be hearing her right about now. How are you doing, Louise? Hello, Richard. I'm very well. Thank you very much. Success. <laughs> we can actually hear you, Louise. Thank you very much for joining us. Where are you based right now? I'm in Singapore at the moment. And how's things down there? We've, you've been hearing us talking about the weather. Uh, what is it like down there in Singapore? It's uh, very Singaporean. Um, <laughs> I mean, this last week, it's been... Uh, a combination of torrential monsoon type weather, oh dear. Uh, generally still very hot. Um, so, yeah, pretty typical, like many seasons in one day. But, okay. but Louise, do I see blue skies behind you at least? Yes, that's okay. right. At least you have blue skies. We've got some really grey skies here today. <laughs> oh, yeah. Now, let, let's talk about a few things, uh, Louise. Of course, um, a, as we know, we're, we're kind of about to hit sales season as well in, in some places. 9-9 nine, mm-hmm. nine is coming up and you know, 11-11 yeah. is coming up. 10-10 is coming up. They're all, they're all coming up. Black Friday. Why is it, do you think, that people nowadays are reluctant to involve themselves in things like conscious consumerism. Uh, and what can we do, I, I guess, to you know make people more aware of this and to in- increase the awareness of conscious consumerism? 
That's a really good question, Richard, because I think, you know, where we are at the moment, it's a bit of a tipping point. Mm. You know, we've had um, some hard frameworks from government interventions, um, you know, really around encouraging, um, you know, companies to do their bit for for sustainability and for the planet and yeah. also just the, the local environment in which we all operate. You know, no one wants, wants to see loads of garbage and, and waste around us and pollution. Mm. At the same time, I think certainly in a post-pandemic world, um, we've obviously heard about supply chain challenges. You know, yeah. we've seen, you know, shortages of products on the shelf. Um, you hear about companies saying they just can't get the raw materials, can't get the products, you know, to their consumers. Mm. And at the same time, we also have this consumer drive as well. You know, consumers are evolving um, what they're expecting um, in terms of the, the brands, the products in which they're choosing to, to invest. And what we've seen is actually about 70 percent of people are saying they're becoming more aware that sustainability is more important. Mm -hmm. Now, having said that, you're absolutely right. There are there are some barriers out there. I think, first of all, you know, let's not ignore the elephant in the room. Um, you know, we are facing inflation. Mm. Uh, we're facing a, a, an affordability issue. Um, and, you know, for, for many consumers, if it's a trade off, it's really about how do we help them to feel good about the decisions that they're making? Because right. on one hand, they are saying they want to be, um, you know, better consumers. And, you know, obviously there's a spectrum um, between those that are fully, you know, bought in, they're evangelists, they're the ones who are walking, uh, walking the walk as well as talking the talk. But you also do have skeptics at the other side of the, of, of the coin, right? And, you know, for them, you know, it's, it could be a case of, well, what does it matter? Or I just don't believe it. Perhaps they've been, uh, they felt they've been greenwashed mm -hmm. in the past, mm -hmm. but they've bought into claims that have then subsequently turned out to be simply untrue. So there is that kind of whole spectrum. Um, at the same time, I think it's very risky for any business not to acknowledge the increased um, importance of sustainability attributes and to really engage in a dialogue to understand how do you come up or how do you show up in a better way so that consumers do feel good about buying your products at the end of the day. Mm. Uh, Louise, do you have any insights as to how important um, it is to consider these, uh, these, uh, the conscious consumerism, but given the rising cost of living and the prices rising, as you just mentioned, uh, and how businesses should think about that, how, how does that factor into consumer decisions today more tangibly, or is this a bit more of a longer term journey? Yeah, um, I think it's a, it, it's a good question. And I think when we talk about sustainability, when we talk about conscious consumerism, we need to be very careful exactly what do we mean. It means different things to different mm. people. Uh, we can look across different countries and we can call out some, some different elements. So, for example, in a market like Indonesia, um, it's really about, let, let's call it the planet. It's about the environment. It mm -hmm. can be pollution. Um, it can be about rubbish. It can be about like natural resources. We see natural resources also an important driver for consumers in China. Um, if you look at a country like India, it's a little bit more about kind of the societal impact. So are we treating the producers, the farmers fairly? Uh, what does that supply chain look like? Are we giving back um, to society? Are we giving back to the communities um, where we're sourcing these products for? So I think there is, first of all, the lens of well, what does exactly does it mean country by country? And then even within a market, you can then look at different types of consumers, right? You can look at 
you know, very simply different demographics, whether that be by age or by gender. But actually, most importantly, you can then understand what are people's attitudes? What what does that mean? Because as I mentioned before, you have that full spectrum of those who on one hand are, you know, fully involved, will make decisions, and almost regardless of cost. And I, I say that with a, with a little bit of a, a caveat. <laughs> We're not saying that people, you know, will buy sustainable products at any cost, but they're much more likely to put weight and value against some of those aspects of sustainability mm. than perhaps other consumers. So mm. if you are more of a, a minimalist, right, you might end up making sustainable choices. And those might be things like avoiding waste, right? Because actually that is still a conscious decision. It's not necessarily directly to benefit the planet. It's more to benefit your wallet at mm. the end of the day. Mm. Um, and then there are obviously other government interventions like, you know, recently in Singapore, we had the introduction of the, the bag tax. And, you know, you see that, you know, even if it's only a few cents, it makes a difference. You see many more people you know, having those reusable bags, you know, in their in their handbags or their rucksacks. Um, I'm originally from the UK when the plastic bag tax was introduced. I think we saw about a 90% reduction. Again, it was only a few pennies that these bags cost, but actually, it just created you know an extra um, thing to think about. Right? Mm. It stopped that autopilot behavior of just automatically saying, "Yeah, sure, I'll take a bag." It's only it a bag. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Just before we go to a, to a break, uh, then uh, Louise, one pro, uh, one point brought up in that report is, is this removal of unsubstantiated green claims yeah. to prevent consumer backlash. Yeah. How can you kind of uh, flag these claims down, and what can be done to improve, I guess, transparency as a whole? And a kind of follow up to that is, how can businesses ensure that they avoid greenwashing and, and meet consumer expectations for sustainability? Yeah. Um, greenwashing is a really hot topic. And I think especially as we look at how in, you know increasing in importance this, this sustainability attribute is, there is a real risk that companies come out and they say one thing, but they do something else. Mm. And that's obviously important uh, as much for multinationals, uh, where it's really about their overall global footprint. They can talk the talk, um, walk the walk in certain countries, but if it turns out that they have factories in other countries um, that do not adhere uh, to those principles, then that becomes very, very dangerous. And I think in terms of the risk, we actually saw that 83% of consumers, so you know, the vast majority, four out of five, said they would actually stop buying a brand mm. if they felt that they were hoodwinking them, that mm. they were greenwashing them. Right. Again, there are some some differences. It's particularly um, an issue uh, for consumers in Indonesia, Thailand and China, where actually more than nine out of 10 said that actually they would make a decision to stop buying brands if they felt that they, um, you know, so there are these consequences. Right. Yeah. Um, So in terms of what, you know, that that means, I think it really is about how do brands and manufacturers show up across that full kind of cradle to grave supply chain. Mm. So, you know, if you are going to talk about your sustainability credentials, you have to take a hard look at all the different elements. And there is a whole ecosystem out there in terms of regulation, as we've said, in terms of independent monitoring, um, in terms of just the, the details on the packaging. You know, if it's recyclable, then sure, you should absolutely talk about that. 
because that can be a way in which you engage with those consumers that are looking for that, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. You can also think about your, your brand name. You can think about uh, the logos that you choose. But again, you have to be very careful. There's no point putting a nice picture of a tree on your pack <laughs> if you actually can't recycle it at the end of the day. Yeah, yeah. Okay, hold that thought then. Uh, folks, we're going through the Nielsen IQ report. It is a, it's a thought leadership report entitled Green Divide and help us make some sense of this report and how businesses can leverage the embedded nuggets of insights is Louise Hawley, the managing director from Nielsen IQ, Singapore, Thailand, Malaysia and Japan. We're going to take a short break, but do let us know what your thoughts are on this topic. Get us on our U-Mobile WhatsApp number zero. 018-789-8899. Get us on X. We're also at BFM Radio. We've got some ads and a little bit of music, and we'll be right back after these messages. BFM 89.9. Break from monotony. BFM 89.9. Welcome back to Enterprise BizBytes. My name is Rich Bradbury, and I'm in the studio here with... Roshan Kanesan, who got it correct this he time He got around. it correct, he did indeed. And joining us on the line down there from Singapore, it is, of course, Louise Hawley, the Managing Director for Nielsen IQ, Singapore, Thailand, Malaysia, and Japan. She's helping us make sense of the report, uh, the Thought Leadership Report, uh, entitled Green Divide. Uh, if you have any thoughts on this, you can get us via our U-Mobile WhatsApp number 018-789-8899, and get us on X. It's still sounds weird when I say that <laughs> at BFM Radio. Uh, now, Louise, just before the break, um, we were looking at these um, unsubstantiated green claims, you know, and helping to prevent stuff like consumer backlash. Now, the report states that, and you mentioned just a few moments ago as well about evangelists are the future, potentially, of conscious uh, consumption. Why does a disparity exist between consumers who are environmentally aware and those that are not? I mean, it sounds like a very simple question, but I'm guessing there's quite a complex answer. Um, Rich, you're absolutely right. I think the, I guess there are some some inherent challenges with consumers nowadays. We talked about, obviously, inflation being one of those. Right. But really helping them to navigate through making those choices to help them become more conscious consumers. Mm-hmm. I think the other things that are really kind of getting in the way of people being able to walk the walk is in addition to just affordability and cost, it's also access. So are those products available? Are they readily available? And also clarity. So is it easy if you're still at the shelf in the supermarket to be able to select those products that, again, make you feel good about the brand choices that you're making? Yeah. Now, when I was growing up, you know, it – Reduce, reuse, recycle was the big thing that was being pushed out. <laughs> yeah. But but also, I, I and I think I, I've kind of followed my father into this footstep, is if I'm stood at somewhere where there is a buy one, get one free kind of offer, <laughs> I, I will often, often be that person kind of stocking up just in case, you know. Do you think maybe that there is a, a, a larger kind of factor involved here when it comes to maybe age is age something to do with it as well perhaps or rather that that demographic does it play a part i mean rich i'd love to say that i can resist a good deal but unfortunately (laughs) just like you i can't um and uh, i think that's where it does come back to the piece first of all there is perhaps an aspect of governance Right. right because at the end of the day if you are a retailer and you want to attract people into your store, you want to give them good offers. And if you're a manufacturer and you want to grow your sales and you want to make sure that people are stocking up on your products 
uh, and maybe not on your competitors, yeah. then some of those buy one, get one, or those bog off offers are actually really, really attractive and can be very effective. Yeah. So I think that's where potentially either the idea of, of, of governance, and we know in some cases governments have stepped in to avoid overconsumption or consumption of products that are not considered, let's say, healthy yeah. for yeah. the general population. They can restrict advertising. They can stick promotion. Um, but it's also then around ensuring that that consumers are, are making good choices. Um, so if we think about some of the lifestyle decisions, um, again, a, across different cohorts, um, typically, you know, a younger consumer might actually be more interested in, in kind of their personal benefits, right? So um, if they think about the actual environment that they work in, uh, or they live in, you know, they want to see reduced pollution. They want a clean environment to mm -hmm. be able to, to spend time in. Mm -hmm. um, if you then think of slightly older consumers, and often those are, who are slightly more affluent, so they can afford to make different choices, they're perhaps not quite so tempted by those bog-off offers. <laughs> and those are the ones who are often more interested in what's the legacy, what's the planet that they're leaving behind yeah. for their children and their children's children. Mm. And so the age, you know, does play a role in terms of how we can connect with those different consumer cohorts and really understand how it is that we help them to make different choices through the packaging, through the communication, and through the types of products and as well as marketing tactics that as a brand you can leverage. Mm. Um, Louise, with that in mind then, uh, what strategies do you think businesses uh, or retailers can employ in order to engage with the different segments or the spectrum of these different consumers? Um, so I think it does require that deep understanding of both at a country level as well as then by different segments, what it is that they're looking for. Um, I mean, if you think about the, the, the different um, se selections that you can make, if you're a manufacturer or if you're a retailer indeed, Understanding who are the segments that your products already appeal to. You know, in most cases, brands already have loyal group groups of consumers. So how do we help perhaps nudge some of those consumers with decisions that you make around um, line extensions or new product developments, um, as well as things like, you know, choices around packaging, uh, choices around what signals you're giving to consumers um, to give them a reason to, to believe your brands. Um, if you think about, you know, the sustainable portfolio, are you really selecting those products that not just from a packaging perspective, but from that full cradle to grave supply chain that we're selecting ingredients that are sustainable, that mm. we're paying a fair wage to those people who grow them, and that in some cases we're looking at things like food miles, you know, how far are these products traveling and particularly if they require refrigerated or even frozen yeah. um, supply chain, that obviously has a net impact as well mm. in terms of the, the carbon footprint that we're leaving behind. Mm. Well, this is really interesting. Now, uh, <laughs> part of that st of, of your study as well shows that there is a disparity between intent and action. Uh, and I suppose a, a lot of us suffer from this problem as well, uh, especially when it comes to sustainability. And now, there are some cases, you know, have high intent, um, uh, but also have low action. You know, in, in changing consumer behavior, where do you think we should start on, on that side, on that uh, on the seesaw kind of thing? Do we, do we start with intention, uh, intent, or do we start with action? I mean, I think in principle, most people are aware 
Mm. Right. So I don't think there's many people that are not aware of the cost. Um, and I'll, I'm using that in a general sense, not just in terms of financial, how much money we need to, to you know, pay out in the supermarket. Yeah. And one of the interesting things, certainly across Asia, is that one of those catalysts for change is the exposure to, let's say, climate events, mm. you know, whether mm. it's flash flooding, whether it's, um, you know, very hot, very cold, very unseasonal conditions, um, whether it's, um, you know, other aspects, forest fires, earthquakes, that awareness of, you know, the planet around us is just that much higher for this part of the world if we compare it to, to other regions across the planet. Now, in terms, so I guess one of the, the good things about that is if that inherent awareness is there, then that's how do we create the connection to then, okay, do I understand what I need to do about it? And that's where brands really need to do um, a job of stepping up and explaining how, you know, people can make the right choices and why they might be the right choice for them. So I think there's definitely that communication aspect that brands need to show up in the right way. I think from a consumer action perspective, as we've said, the three main barriers are really um, its cost, its clarity and its accessibility. So if we can address those things, we can start to convert some of that, that interest to action. But it also will require more education because, mm. as we've said before, sustainability is a combination of many, many different things. And there are many, many different ways in which consumers can kind of manifest those actions, ranging from the more kind of simple, easy lifestyle choices like bringing your own bags, uh, avoiding waste. But you know, at the end of the day, it helps everyone. It puts money in your pocket. It means that you don't waste food, et cetera, all the way through to more kind of niche initiatives, such as you know, accessibility of organic or bio stores, uh, composting. Um, you know, being able to separate your recycling into different sections to actually then go and benefit. And even, as we said before, actually some consumers choosing to boycott products and brands that they feel have, have hoodwinked them or greenwashed them. Mm. Now, uh, Louise, your report mentions growing industries and mandated sustainability efforts. Now, during this transitionary period, uh, do you have a sense that there has been a, any pushback from companies sceptical of this change? And can that be the same of consumers? Are we seeing anything there? Um, yeah, I mean, I work um, all day and every day with, uh, with brands, particularly in the consumer packaged goods space. I think in general, I think there's a, a, a real receptiveness to understand that this is a, an, a, a consumer demand. So in addition to the hard frameworks of governance, in addition to the kind of risk of doing business of supply chain and cost, there's also that real risk that, as you said, the over 80% or 90% in some countries of consumers that say, you know what, if you try and pretend that you're something you're not, mm. I'm just going to actively, you know, boycott your brands. Mm. So I think, you know, and you pick up any annual report, any investor report, um, and often there will be a section on CSR for many of those organizations. And we're also seeing increasingly, whether it's venture capital or private equity, choosing those companies to invest in that are doing well by doing good. Mm -hmm. So, you know, while there may be some inherent skepticism, and I think over time that will gradually dissipate as it becomes much more of a consumer need, I think it's also, and this is a job that we feel as an organization, we also have the responsibility to draw attention to that risk unless you engage actively amongst this emerging consumer demand, mm. your business may be at risk in the long term. 
I mean, I, I was going to ask you as a final question, you know, how much room there is for conscious consumerism to grow in the next five years. But you've kind of answered it just there in that last question there. You know, so many companies nowadays, when, when they are choosing to invest or put money into these companies, you know, and looking at, you know, what's their history like? What are they moving into? Mm-hmm. Do you think that's going to become the norm for everything moving forward? These companies are always going to choose to invest or um, look at companies who are much more environmentally conscious. Is that going to become the norm moving forward, do you think? I do think it's moving towards the norm. I certainly don't see that this acceleration, both from all the different stakeholders um, that are involved in organisations, as we said, 70% of consumers are saying this is much more important to them now than it was even two years ago. Um, If we look at some longitudinal data, we look back pre-pandemic, um, you know, it was really important to consumers. And then guess what? Something happened that jumped up the priority list. But since we've kind of emerged into this post-pandemic world, the importance that consumers are putting on this attribute of sustainability is actually even more important than before. And I think some of the aspects of the pandemic, particularly in terms of supply chain, thinking about the, the general well-being of the environment, health and wellness, all of those concerns are linking together very nicely in terms of creating that platform for brands and products that are able to speak credibly and confidently in this area to have increasing importance. And as a result, they're driving higher expectations from everyone across that full ecosystem Mm. about what a strong brand can be and the fact that ultimately you can do well by doing good. Wonderful. Louise, thank you so much for your time today. Thank you, Rich. Thanks, Roshan. Folks, we've been speaking with Louise Hawley, the Managing Director for Nielsen IQ, Singapore, Thailand, Malaysia and Japan. If you've missed any part of this conversation, you can catch the podcast on our website at bfm.my or download the BFM app. You can also find our shows on Spotify, Apple Podcasts and other podcast players. Just search for Enterprise BizBuy. Don't go anywhere. We've got the Breakfast Grill replay coming up after the uh, 1pm news bulletin. And did you know that in 2016, hmm. Malaysia Ranks it, it ranked 11th amongst the biggest buyers of Belgian potatoes. I did not know that. Fun Ambas- fact. There you go. Ambassadors of Belgium in Malaysia, His Excellency Peter van Acker, shared this morning all the economic relations between the two nations and where the nation stands in the Russia-Ukraine conflict. That's all coming up after the one o'clock news. Stick around, folks. Uh, of course, that's all coming up after the news. Have yourselves a wonderful weekend. Myself and Roshan will be back on Monday. Same time, same place here on BFM 89.9, The Business Station. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.